Hello and welcome to another episode of Love and Citizenship. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode and I hope you and yours are doing well, whichever corner of the world you're listening to this podcast from. I am truly delighted that our guest today decided to jump on the podcast because it is for me as a young podcaster quite quite a unique opportunity to have somebody else who runs their own podcast on this platform. And with that knowledge and with that opportunity also comes the very real risk that I may end up just nerding out over the creative process and the technical tidbits. But what we managed to capture with this podcast has been something very well-rounded and a conversation that is very, very natural, which is also testament to just Liana being who she is. There is an element of vulnerability that you have to bring in to a conversation that focuses on your life and your process and your journey. And I, I'm so, so very glad that you did. And um, this also, at the time that we recorded this, Liana had just been, you know, hosting me on her podcast. So it was quite an experience of jumping from that to having her on the podcast. And so we tried our best and we do. I don't think there is very much a bleed over of uh, us kind of just talking about things that we talked about. But just I think because it is such an interesting conversation. And at the time of recording this, it's just recently out. I will put the link down below for the episode that I was on. And it's a conversation I think you should check out. But it's such such an incredible opportunity. And I'm so, so very grateful for just Liana coming on the podcast and just having this chat. It's a very natural and honest conversation. And I'm so, so very glad that 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 it is what it is. But without further wait, honestly, somebody whose podcast I absolutely love and I think you should absolutely fucking check out, but also somebody that just brought so much to this conversation. Uh, it is my my privilege to introduce to the podcast the wonderful Liana Pavane. Hi, thank you so much for that lovely introduction. I am very excited to be here as well. I'm Liana. I have a podcast and I'm also an event host. That's typically how I like to introduce myself. That's my entrepreneurship side. Obviously have my more professional career side. But yeah, so I have, I actually started in the event space. I have an event company called TTYL, like talk to you later. And I was putting on these tech-free events with board games, coloring, and Play-Doh. So phones are completely checked at the door. And then the podcast came out of the pandemic. So I was looking for a way to stay creative and definitely was influenced by my dating life. And so Mm -hmm. I started Ghosts of Dates Past, which is a podcast about first date horror stories to break down dating stigmas in our society. So those are my two main projects. Because you kind of mentioned it there and I'm really, I know this is on your first episode of the podcast, but for anybody that's listening in who absolutely should now check out after listening to this episode, how did you come up with, I suppose, both uh, TTYL, kind of the personal journey of like how that came about, why that came about, and also Ghost of Dates Past as well. I know you kind of mentioned your own dating history, but just take it away. Tell us how both of those came about. Totally. So long story short, I grew up in a very healthy tech household growing up. My parents didn't let me watch TV during the week or play video games. And so I really had to use my imagination as a kid and just found myself playing dress up or building Legos and making up games and things like that. And so as I grew up and actually got a computer and got a iPhone for the first time and all of those things, I was definitely bombarded with social media and tech 
as I was growing up, social media really started to blow up when I was in college yeah. with Snapchat and Instagram specifically. Facebook mm-hmm. was really big when I was in high school yeah. and definitely the whole, you know, taking photos, culture, photo booth was really big yeah. when I was in middle school, TVT. And I then really, you know, as I'm independent now and I'm in college, I started to notice how much time and energy I was spending on my phone versus in real life. And so it was actually right after I graduated that I was on vacation with my family and still having FOMO for my friends back home and thought just how ridiculous that was. And we were at dinner one night just spewing ideas. And I thought, oh, I wish there was a space I could go to just disconnect and play games with friends and charge my phone or something. It kind of, this idea of a speakeasy kind of came into my head, the speakeasy cafe. Mm -hmm. And my parents looked at me and my sister, like I had three eyes and thought I was crazy that my generation would never put their phones away, kind of sat on the idea for the year and started my first professional jobs and internships and theater and was in an office setting. And so I realized just how unprofessional it was to take my phone out and send a Snapchat to my friends or Mm -hmm. post on Instagram throughout the day or something like that, because, you know, your boss might be watching or it wasn't really professional yet to be on your phone Mm -hmm. during breaks. It was more, it was still kind of seen as taboo at that time, which is Mm -hmm. crazy because it was only like five years ago. So I then went on a digital detox for about a week and then started telling, told my best friend and she thought it was a great idea and then started telling more friends and got advice from them and then just did my own research. I got really into this digital wellness space and that's kind of, it took, you know, from the point of the seed being planted in my head to mm-hmm. actually putting on the events was a year and a half. Yeah. And so my first event was in January, 2019, mm-hmm. ran through all the way up to the pandemic and yeah. It was incredible. I mean, I had 50 people show up to my first event, many of whom I didn't even know. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of continued seeing the same faces and more people showed up or brought friends and it was featured in a bunch of publications and it was really exciting. And then, you know, I try to kind of make it still happen with the pandemic, but it didn't make sense because mm-hmm. everything is supposed to be off your computer. Yeah. And so I then was just really in a very interesting space where I was living out. I moved, I had moved back home. Mm-hmm. I was furloughed for my job. I didn't have my events anymore, my passions. Yeah. And the zinger is my then boyfriend at the time broke up with me over the phone. Mm-hmm. And so I basically felt like I had lost everything in my life. Yeah. And all my friends had either moved away out of the city back home or mm-hmm quarantining elsewhere. And so I was really by myself mm-hmm. and I started to, you know, kind of jump back into the dating scene and like was on some apps during the pandemic and mm-hmm. met up with some people and then just continued to be in bad situations and be ghosted like time and time again. And it had happened to me before, but never so many times back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And so that was really where the inspiration for the podcast came out was just I was very interested in, you know, being in this technological space and always wanting to have a podcast. Mm -hmm. I was very interested in the intersectionality between dating and technology and how the lack of communication or maybe too much communication or Mm -hmm. putting yourself out there too much, having someone really get to know you before they meet you in person, like all these things. I think that social media 
dating apps are showcasing us and maybe hindering us or hurting us rather than putting everything in our favor mm-hmm. by meeting someone in person and having that natural connection. I really wanted to explore that through a podcast and really break down these, these ideas. And I listened to a lot of dating podcasts and found that a lot of them were about sex. A lot of them were about just giving very impractical advice. And I wanted to really change that because I'm not, I didn't come out this as I'm an expert. I clearly didn't start in the dating realm at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone really does. You don't go to school for that. And I was just really interested in communication and relationships in general Mm -hmm. and exploring that through different lenses. There's so much coming up for me based on what you said, but just to kind of, because the podcast, the last we talked about, I think for me, you're you're dead on. I think your podcast is very different simply by virtue of it's not very advice focused at all. It is very refreshing. And I genuinely, yeah, I think it's very cool that from something, you know, you, you, you talked about kind of losing your job, your relationship ending or moving back home, which is such an experience, especially if you've moved out of home to kind of have all of that in the middle of the worst health crisis that we've been alive through and to bring something so good out of it. Why'd you do it? You know, you could have so easily and obviously there's a there's a whole tangent you can go on it. But like, say for TTYL as well, you know, you could have just detoxed for yourself or like with the Mm -hmm. podcast, you know, you could have just had these stories for yourself. Why put them out in the world? Why do you do it? Wonderful question. I I feel like a big part for me, especially after I had that firsthand experience being in an office setting Mm -hmm. and really getting to experience what working life really is, I kind of felt like, oh, okay, I see this and I raise you Mm -hmm. or I just don't feel myself fitting in. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't my path because I think for four years I had studied directing and playwriting. And so I was in this very creative space in very creative classes. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's work and you have to write papers and things like that, but I wasn't studying math or Mm -hmm. science or these like very practical, like this is the way you do things. I was given an assignment and I literally created something out of nothing or I I had to find actors and tell them exactly how I wanted to position them or how to literally build something magical. And I think going from something like that to being told exactly what to do and when your things are due and being told, okay, this is your desk and you sit here Mm -hmm. and do this every day. It was like, a complete 360 for me. And I wasn't comfortable. I found myself feeling disconnected Mm -hmm. and that this wasn't me. This office version of Liana isn't what I want. And I think that was also just me realizing that if I did theater, it wouldn't be an office setting. It would hundred percent be a directorial path or a playwright path or something like that, you know, screenwriting. I wanted to make the magic happen. And I think Mm -hmm. I really missed that from that year of experience taking internships. And so that was really what sparked, I think, you know, I I, I had that, I've always had that passion and that drive to create Mm -hmm. and to do something. And I also think I've always had that passion to help people. And so I've always just been the the listener, the advice giver and my friend group, Mm -hmm. everyone 
often does come to me or even my family. I mean, I was even talking to my mom this weekend and giving her advice. I give my mom advice all the time, <laughs> which is very interesting yeah. and a whole, whole other conversation, but I've always felt inherently like I have a lot to give yeah. and not in an egotistical way at all. Just that I've always been told I'm a wise soul and like, mm-hmm. that's something I've always led with. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like once I realize that something could be changed, it it wasn't like, oh, I had this incredible story to tell. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I just have an interesting perspective in that I didn't follow that path Mm -hmm. and that I didn't follow this, I don't know, like falling into that path of being brought up in the city, I think can can make you a very specific type of person. And I think I very much didn't want to be that Mm -hmm. and really wanted to shine light on maybe downsides of that. And just wanted to be a really real person. I didn't want to be superficial and I never wanted to be an influencer. I wanted to be an influential person. Mm -hmm. And I always found like myself reading articles or blogs and thinking, oh, I'd love to have something like that one day Mm -hmm. and just kind of use my life experience to figure out what that would be for me. It's such a, the the, the thing you said of I don't, well, this is where I disagree with anybody that says they don't have a story to tell, because I think you you do, you have a very unique story to tell. What you've done, I think, which is so awe-inspiring, is the fact that you've allowed other people to tell their stories, which very few people would. You know, the thing you said, you, you chose to be influential rather than be an influencer. You know, you could have so easily, again, this is like generalizing, but you could have so easily just you know, got a mic, got a camera and started telling your story. And I, let's be honest, people would have heard it. But I think what you're doing is giving people space to tell some of the worst dates that they've been on, but also the journeys that, you know, life's allowed them to go and understand what love is for them and how they've grown as people. And I think that's incredible, especially as you, you know, you know this better because you've, you've heard all these stories. Dating today is weird and hard and awkward and so bizarre. But I think you're so good as well at holding that space for people. And, and I'm curious, what is it like being vulnerable day in, day out, every single episode and in such a public way as well? It's one thing to sit with a friend and talk about these things, but it's another to put it out there on the internet for the world to listen. What's that like? I'm, it's funny because I, it really comes naturally to me. I've mm-hmm. never really wanted to be anywhere else. And it's funny because I've had a lot come up for me recently. And I spent actually a really long time in my life, probably from high school to like for 10 years, Mm -hmm. I spent really shut down. Mm -hmm. And that had a lot to do with the way that my parents were. And I'm going through a lot of unlearning there. And Mm -hmm. so when I was really young, I was super emotional, cried all the time, had breakdowns would get really defensive with my mom, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And my mom was always the more emotional one, you know, very, I have a very typical familial unit of my mom is more emotional, emotional and nurturing and caring. My dad Mm -hmm. is the more business oriented, you know, kind of, okay, this thing happened, we're moving on Mm -hmm. sort of person. And I think when I was in high school, I was, we were both going through medical things, my dad and I at the same time. And I think mm-hmm. I kind of subconsciously bonded to him in that way. Okay. And he like very much just didn't want to deal with it and didn't like kind of shut down. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that as like, oh, that's how I can be strong. I can just shut this off 
and focus on other things and not connect to what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And I did that for probably 10 years. And then once I was dating, I think that was like a very interesting dynamic to be in because I shut those emotions off for so long. I would literally get to the point where I'd have a burnout breakdown every year and just cry for one day, one night. And I'd be on the phone with my parents, absolutely hysterical. And then I just move on again. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, once I went through all these dating experiences back to back to back, and I decided to not date for a while and really just decided to focus on myself Mm -hmm. for the first time, actually taking that step and saying, no, I'm stepping away from this. Mm -hmm. I need to figure out and reconnect to myself internally. And that's the first time I started therapy. And so I've been in therapy for over a year and that's really, really helped me Mm -hmm. reconnect and realize that everyone deserves to share their feelings and there's no wrong time to share your feelings and there's no wrong response or wrong answer Mm -hmm. as to how your feelings or emotions come up for you and just really reconnecting to you know if something happened to me recently where I was super triggered Mm -hmm. and I never would have understood that if I hadn't gone to therapy Mm -hmm. and then really being able to, to like dig within myself and have the tools to connect it to a prior experience and then understand why that happened for me. And now I'm able to not only psychoanalyze myself, but (laughs) psychoanalyze other people, which is very interesting, (laughs) maybe scary for some, but I think, you know, having the podcast, I think has been part of that emotional Mm -hmm. healing journey for me as even talking about social media. I think Mm -hmm. for a long time when I had Instagram in the beginning, I was definitely more just, Oh, post the pretty picture and a funny caption person. And after a while, it just really didn't feel right for me anymore. I didn't want to be, like I mentioned, that influencer. I knew I had things to share and I wanted to change the game for other people. And so I decided to use Instagram as more of a journal and just write whatever I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And I started to notice people were really responding more. A lot of people didn't want to listen to it anymore. And they didn't follow me anymore or Mm -hmm. they didn't comment or whatever. And I thought there's not, not everyone in the world's going to like what I have to say. And not everyone is going to feel comfortable because they're not in touch with their emotions and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But then I started to rebuild a community. And even if it wasn't these insane amount of likes or all these comments all the time, the people that did comment and resonate or message me on Instagram directly, it was, that was what mattered. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was changing the game for a lot of people. And if I can be that voice for people to feel comfortable sharing their experience and feel like, oh, I can use my voice and say no, or I can set a boundary, you know, even if it's not dating related, I think I talk about it with my career. I talk about it in friendships, Mm -hmm. like using your voice is the most powerful thing. And if I can be that for other people, then hopefully they can feel more comfortable doing that for themselves too. I don't know. This is this is evident again in your work, and this makes sense because it's your work is in many ways an extension of you. Obviously, I'm I'm glad you're in a place where like vulnerability comes a lot more naturally to you. What was it like the first time? You know, just like either making like your first vulnerable post or having like a, you know, start showing up for yourself as who you were the first couple of times you did. 
when obviously this wasn't something that you were used to doing? What was it like? Did it terrify you? Uh, What was it like? It's funny. It didn't really scare me. I've never been scared of showing up as I am. Mm -hmm. It kind of just felt like more so that I'd been hiding that for so long. Okay. And that once I did start really expressing myself and my vulnerability, Mm -hmm. that it felt natural. It felt like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what you were born to be doing. Yeah. And I mean, I think that comes from being a performer as an early age. I was in chorus for a really long time and I danced for 10 years. I did gymnastics. I did all these things where I was literally being critiqued, yeah. you know, my voice, my body, whatever it was. And mm-hmm. so I think from that experience, the performer side of me kind of felt like, yeah, I was coming home to that mm-hmm. sort of experience. Like yeah. when I was a kid tapping back into that child. And that's a lot of what I talk about too, is reconnecting to that inner child. Because I think as we get older and we become adults, everything suddenly becomes so serious and, you know, yeah. we have bills to pay and taxes and all this stuff. And yeah, it does suck. And there's life shit that happens that mm-hmm. we have to deal with, but it's so important to remember who we were. Yeah. Like I am right now, myself at five, myself at 12, myself Mm -hmm. at 15, myself at 21. I am all all of those people. And what I experienced lives within me. Mm -hmm. And we just need to tap into that more and allow those versions of ourselves to let loose and play. Mm -hmm. And so- it kind of feels like I get to play again. I think yeah. a lot of what I, you know, what I started doing with my reels and things on Instagram, mm-hmm. I love to just see it as a way to dress up. Like yeah. I loved, used to love to dress up as a kid. And so now I'm just like, Ooh, what fun outfit can I put on? And what fun song can I put on and just dance yeah. to mm-hmm. and have a blast? And then other people I hope will smile when they watch that too. Yeah. So finding new ways to tap back into that and then Mm -hmm. share that outward has been really fun and amazing. And I think, I mean, I was definitely a little nervous, Mm -hmm. especially when I recorded my first solo episode, because I had no idea. And I still don't know. You don't know who's listening. Yeah, I'm sure people I've dated have listened to it. (laughs) And that is a little scary. But at -hmm. the same time, it's again, and I'm very honest about this. It's one perspective. It's my 100%. side of the story. And if they have another side of the story, great. Hopefully you get to share your side one day in a public yeah. way. I'd be more than happy to hear it. Yeah. And you know, they won't, but yeah, I think it just is what it is at this point. I mm-hmm. think if people aren't comfortable with that, dating me or knowing that I've been vulnerable in that way. Mm -hmm. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, it it, it is one of the questions that I put up on the thing. What, what, What is love for you? And what I mean by that is what was your idea of love kind of when you were younger? And how has that changed to where you are at now? Yeah. We talked about this on one of my podcast episodes recently too. And Mm -hmm. it was interesting because the other person had such a different definition than I did. Mm -hmm. For me, I think when I am a kid or when a lot of people are kids, I mean, I hope that, and I know that that's not true for everyone, but for me, at least I was fortunate to have two loving parents. And I think I was shown love through quality time 
-hmm. which I actually asked my parents. I went through the love languages and asked them which one was theirs. And they both also said quality time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really where that foundation came from for me Mm -hmm. in the sense that my dad wasn't around a lot Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. He was working, but my mom would make a point of waiting for him to come home for us to eat dinner. So that Mm -hmm. meant we ate dinner on European time, we ate at 8.39 PM sometimes, yeah. a lot of the times. And my friends thought that was absolutely insane. You know, I'm seven years old eating at 8.30 at night, yeah. but it was so important to my parents to have that familial unit mm-hmm. and to have that night routine mm-hmm. where I got to spend time with my dad mm-hmm. because my mom would be the one taking care of me during the day. And she never wanted me. She was, my parents are a bit older as well. So I was also fortunate in the fact that my mom had a career Mm -hmm. beforehand. And so she could dedicate herself to me and be a full-time mom. And so she, you know, I wasn't being picked up by a nanny or Mm -hmm. anyone else. They were, you know, my mom was bringing me to my after-school activities and we'd have these traditions of going to my favorite bakery and I would get to pick a dessert after school every day. And, you know, just all of those things, I think through definitely like through food, Mm-hmm. through shared experience and just play time. You know, my dad was really the play person. Yeah. So on the weekends, you know, I'd be the one waking up early. My mom would sleep in and my dad would come in and we'd play Barbies or build something together. Or mm-hmm. he'd like chase me around the house or we'd go to the park and play catch or something yeah. like that. And so I think it was always for me, like love was shown through experience, quality time mm-hmm. over like a shared meal, like eating together was like super important and like dedicating time. So I think I've always seen like sharing a meal or cooking for someone else is like such a big act of love. And, you know, just being there in a sense of like a shoulder to cry on. I think your Mm -hmm. parents telling you and, you know, rubbing your back and telling you that it's going to be okay or taking care of you when you're sick. I mean, there's no love like that. Yeah. And I think now I feel like as I've, grown and, and dated around and also just friendship wise. I mean, Mm -hmm. even last week, so a really good friend of mine's dad passed away Mm -hmm. and we, uh, two girlfriends and I, so three of us, we went up to attend the funeral Mm -hmm. and I don't think there is a bond that I've ever had with two people Mm -hmm. from that experience. It was unlike anything else that I've experienced with friends and just being there for each other in that time. And then also being there for other friends. Mm -hmm. So it was this undeniable support and just, you know, when your friends say it's okay, if you want to talk, I'm here. Mm -hmm. How can I like, let me know if you can support me. And I feel like for so long, I just never really showed my emotions to friends so much because I have been the strong friend. And from that experience, I realized that I don't always have to be that person for other people. Mm-hmm. I can lean on other people too. Yeah. So I think through that and what I was mentioning with my parents and how I was brought up, I think love is really about not only supporting each other, but also knowing that it's okay to take some weight off your shoulders too and lean on them and that they will also support you. I, I think it's it's been I've asked this question to most guests that I've had. And I think what's so interesting every single time is we go from just like either very hyper 
romanticized images of love or just, you know, I almost really like the model of love that you kind of grew up around of like holding that or sharing that same space together, you know, showing up for meals mm. together, being present with each other. I think presence is love in a big way. And to to come to a place now, and this is, I, I love how like realistic the definitions of love get the older we get. Again, what I am curious is obviously you have a podcast about dating and ghosting and you've had many guests over. I'm curious, hearing these stories, the good and the bad, has it changed your view of dating? Has it cemented an already like the view that you had of like, say, dating culture today? Or like, how has that even changed the way you date yourself? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've learned so much from my guests and mm -hmm. just on how to show up. I think it was episode, the first guest that I had mm -hmm. was the one that told me boundaries. Yeah. I'd never heard what boundaries were before the first, the, the second episode of my podcast. Okay. That is insane. <laughs> so just little things like that or learning about the love languages, learning about the attachment styles, mm -hmm. things like that, that I never really explored for myself or understood or heard about. Mm -hmm. I think it just goes to show that there's a lot of things that were brought up with that mm -hmm could be applicable in multiple different relationships across our lives, but we don't talk about them unless it's in a dating focused relationship. Yeah. And so I think it was interesting that, you know, boundaries for me, it was really eye opening and mm -hmm. that it was okay for me to not continue certain situations or even set boundaries with myself. And I think, yeah. I mean, over the past week. I mean, after all this happened, I needed to set the boundary of just not being online. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I've been burnt out and emotionally exhausted and drained. And so setting that boundary for myself and putting it out into the universe and really, I mean, I even said that I'm not reaching out to people in my life anymore that don't reciprocate friendship. Yeah. That is something that I've realized that my energy is super powerful and important. Mm -hmm. And I have had my phone on do not disturb for a week. Yep. And I just don't answer to people unless I'm making plans with them or mm -hmm. want to see them. Yeah. I'll get back to other people when I get back to them yeah. and not having this feeling of feeling guilty that I'm not showing up for others because yeah. I need to show up for myself first. And I think back to what you're saying about filling the glass up for yourself before you can fill it up for other people. Yeah. And I think as someone who is always giving advice or listening to other people's stories, you know, through a podcast or being vulnerable, mm -hmm. I really, it's really important for me to have my own energetic space yeah. so that I can fill my own cup up in order to show up as authentically who I am. And I think in that sense, something that I always used to be frustrated by in dating was if a guy wasn't giving me a ton of attention mm -hmm. or they were giving me mixed signals or something like that. And I think a big thing that I've learned from the podcast is that everyone is going through their own thing. And especially in the beginning of a relationship, you know, not everyone is going to feel comfortable being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think I've definitely ebbed and flowed in the way that I express myself to new people that I meet. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel really comfortable sharing a lot about myself at first. And sometimes I wait, but my authentic self is to share. Mm-hmm. And if someone isn't comfortable with that, they're not the right person for me. And knowing that I have the ability to like walk away, I don't have to give people a second chance. Yeah. And I also feel like if people are going through something mm-hmm. or if they're confusing me, mm-hmm. like asking that question, just yeah. saying and communicating and using my voice more. Yeah. I think those are things that I've learned a lot through the podcast because I definitely used to not express what I needed or wanted in a relationship mm-hmm. because I've always been a really independent person, Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you don't want to receive love. Mm-hmm. And that you're not deserving of that. Mm-hmm. And I think expressing that to the person you're dating or your partner and using your voice and just communicating is such an important thing. Yeah. And that's definitely a lot of what I've learned. Yeah. And communication sounds so unsexy in a relationship. It's like, oh no, communication is just dull. <laughs> Nobody should communicate. You should reach, read each other's minds. But no, you're dead on. I think it maybe doesn't come naturally to a lot of people, or maybe, you know, we're not even taught that communication is important. But the moment you start doing it for your own sanity, if nothing else, I think it's just a more positive experience for everybody involved. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where just what you're saying about kind of knowing what you need in a relationship and making the intentions clear. Has that ever put people off? I'm, I'm curious because it comes off as like, take it or leave it. This is who I am. Has that ever, like, I'm, I'm guessing yes, but like, what has that been the experience of like, oh, well, I'm going to stay away from this. Yeah, I definitely think it turns people off or intimidates Mm -hmm. people for sure. I -hmm. think I am a very strong headed person Mm -hmm. and I don't put up with bullshit. Yeah. And I will be very blunt and honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were out this weekend and I was with some friends and one of my friends had, we, you know, we were in a group and like, Mm -hmm they brought this guy friend that we'd actually met on the same night, but he's Mm -hmm. way younger than me and I would never be interested. But anyway, they had a thing for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I guess for some reason he was like, wow, Liana looks so great tonight. I would like to hook up with her. Mm -hmm. And I just go first. And my friend is like, totally fine. I'm in a relationship now. If you want to go for it, sure. And you know, past me would have kind of beat around the bush the whole situation and like whisper whispered to my friends or whatever and been like oh my god can you believe that that's so funny or whatever and he actually came over to me and like suggested we go somewhere else Mm -hmm. and I just went no I'm here with my friends I'm Mm -hmm. here to dance and have fun with my friends and you're not my friend yeah so no and he's still trying still trying finally gets the hint walks away my friends come over and he's whispering to the friend. And then mm-hmm. I go over right to him and I go, look, I know that you're interested in me. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to be a whole rumor. She, he said, she said situation. I'm going right to the source. I'm very flattered, mm-hmm. but I'm not interested. And I never will be. And I honestly, I had at this point had one drink. Yeah. I wasn't even, it wasn't, there was no liquid courage. It was just yeah, yeah. Liana courage. Like it was me. Yeah. And it felt so good. And yeah. he was so butthurt because I guess he's just never struck out, yeah. which he's not my type. So, uh-huh. but regardless of that, yeah, like for me, 
I don't ever want to not be honest. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely texted a lot of guys, you know, if they've wronged me or if I'm confused, I, I call people, like I'll call them. I've called, I think three or four guys in the past, like six months and been like, I'm confused. Mm-hmm what is happening. And yeah, I like, sometimes I really like them and I feel like, oh, this is definitely like the ending conversation. And I, I'm nervous. Of course I'm nervous. Like I still get nervous. I'm not Mm -hmm. a robot. Like I'll still feel like I'm going to shit my pants, (laughs) but I'd rather know than just continue to play this dance and like be around the bush with this person. So I call and I say, I'm confused. I'm getting mixed signals. What is going on? And I think that's another lesson that I've learned is just putting the ball in the other person's court rather than, than like, I think that's a very big stereotype is that women are really emotional and they'll Mm -hmm. go and point fingers at the guy and say, I can't believe you did this. And you're treating me like an asshole. You're a douchebag, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. But for me, I just want to know what's going on. And a lot of times I think the big, another lesson in that is just holding compassion for the people that you're dating. Because if you don't have compassion, then you're never going to be in a healthy relationship. And so I think for me, just that phone call and saying, Hey, what's going on for you Mm -hmm. and asking about them first, rather than being you did this, you did that, because that's going to just going to make them pull up in their shell and think well, this chick's crazy. Yeah. I don't want anything to do with this. And I don't know what she's talking about yeah. from my perspective. And then it's like, okay, whatever they tell me, I can then use my own facts and say, well, okay, that doesn't really equate to mm-hmm. what you did X, Y, Z. And then how did they respond to that? And then we kind of can have that conversation of, well, what are we looking for? Yeah. And I think that's just so important and overlooked and yeah, definitely does intimidate people, but also weeds people out, which is equally as important. hundred percent. I know we've connected very briefly, but as you were telling that story, I was like, I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for saying that. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> yeah. It intimidates people, but I think what it really does is sets everybody on the same page that like, and the reason it's so incredible that you did that with the phone call, with the guy over the weekend as well. It's like, it's, this is about me right now. And this is what I am willing to offer. And you're not something that I want to invite into my life. If that bruises your pride, well, that's on you. This is my truth. And I'm just going to say it. So again, hot damn, incredibly proud of you for that. <laughs> what, what I'm, because because you, you mentioned the, you know, there's a, I hate that this is the case, but like, obviously there's a male pride to it and men don't really, you know, historically or traditionally don't handle rejection very well because I don't know, it's the male ego, whatever it is. Um, I'm curious because obviously you're an entrepreneur who has done all these incredible things, but also you have a podcast about dating and, you know, we, we talked about this very briefly just there, but does what, what's that like when you're dating people? Like, does I'm, 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 I have so many questions of like, does it put people off? Does it like, hey, so will you talk about me over your dates? Like, what, what is dating as somebody, you know, self-made women can be very intimidating for a lot of men. What, what is that like? Yeah, definitely intimidating yeah. for sure. I get those questions asked all the time. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be talked about? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And I kind of always say, not without your permission. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't go anywhere, I don't need their permission. I can just talk about my experience. And if they listen, so what? 
Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's funny. I met this guy actually out. I approached him. Of course mm-hmm. I did. Uh, at a bar, if you're not picking up the confidence, mm-hmm. uh, here you are. Um, <laughs> so I approached him. He was actually my friends. It was like a group of guys mm-hmm. and my group of friends. And I didn't think he was attractive because I couldn't really see his face, but he had opened his hinge mm-hmm. and was fully looking at some conversation with some chick mm-hmm. at the bar. And I went over with some pickup line and thought his friend was cute. Yeah. He started talking, was not attracted anymore. Mm-hmm. And then turned to this guy and we were just shooting the shit. Honestly, yeah. he like, I said, okay, inquiring minds want to know, like, mm-hmm. what's the hinge to be? Mm-hmm. He took out his hinge. He's showing me the convo. He took his profile out. I gave him like a three out of 10. <laughs> so we're like, we're like politely roasting each other. Yeah. Anyway, he eventually asked for my number and I'm like, cool. And we start to, you know, he asked me out and like, we start to set a date mm-hmm. and he finds me on Instagram, of course, because I gave him my full yeah. name. And so we get to the day and, you know, we're talking, talking and he goes, so are you a dating coach or something? Like, what's your, what do you do? <laughs> I was like, no, I just have a dating podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then he had, oh, am I going to be on the podcast yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, not without your permission, but like probably. And you know, they always ask, oh, like, do you talk about like your own dating experiences a lot? And I'm like, not as much, but like, they're kind of thrown in as like little tidbit stories, Mm -hmm. but I bring guests on and they're like, oh, that's really cool. And like, we actually had this really candid conversation and we asked each other like first date stories. And like, I was like, what's your first date horror story? And what's your best first date story? And like all this stuff. And what are you looking for? And it was just like, because of that segue, Mm -hmm. it kind of all came out into the open, which was really beautiful. I text, you know, I texted him that I had a really good time and he did the same and then like never heard from him again. So it's always interesting. I think guys are like, wow, she's really cool, but that's like a lot, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe that's not what they think. Maybe they're just like, oh, I can't. I think I, I dated a lot of guys, like even with my ex, I think a big reason why we broke up or why he broke up with me was because he felt intimidated Mm -hmm. and he wasn't as successful as I was. And I think that is a very male ego Mm -hmm. thing that is so real for a lot of people that they want to be the one that provides, they want to be the more successful one. And again, sorry, not sorry. If that's not your prerogative, then the door is over there. I know that I will find someone that does appreciate it. And I have, you know, I have guy friends that are super impressed by what I do and that support my work and love me for who I am. So I know that other people will too. And I've definitely had friends that were intimidated or, you know, always kind of feeding off the success in a way, or like wanting to attend because of this thing or whatever, whatever, but those are just not the right people for me. And it's okay to like cut those people out of your life. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, their loss (laughs) because uh, yeah, Yeah, because it's, it's hard. I'm curious. I'm curious what like where you come from on this but for me i think it's in the i don't enjoy dating apps at all and i think my biggest reason is it's so hard to find authenticity or like find authentic people and the chances of like obviously meeting somebody out in the world of like who you connect with and who like matches your level but like you know it's more fun it's exciting but like i just 
to to have somebody who's showing up as entirely themselves just as you do in your dating life but also basically your life man their loss that's all i'm going to say it's it's entirely their loss uh, but yeah i'm curious where do you come out from like on obviously being having dated yourself in the 21st century but also kind of from all the things that you've heard where do you come out on dating apps it's funny i use them a lot mm-hmm. well they came out really my senior year of college mm-hmm. or they were really blowing up and i was in ithaca so the super small upstate new york town yeah. and it's where cornell is as mm-hmm. well and then this ithaca college where mm-hmm. i went and with the kids it becomes you know it increases like 30k mm-hmm. There's a lot of people, yeah. a big pool, but a lot of people weren't on the apps mm-hmm. yet. Or, you know, it's just so easy to meet people at house parties. And I think you're just in this bubble in college where it's just so easy to meet yeah. someone you could potentially date. Mm-hmm. And like, I met this guy when I was a sophomore, we, there were workout classes mm-hmm. that the, the gym would put on and I met him there, which is like also the yeah. weirdest place to meet someone because you're like super sweaty and gross, yeah. but I guess he thought it was cute. So here we are. And (laughs) so, yeah, it's just, it's funny, you know, how that kind of evolves. And then these dating apps come out and Bumble came out when I was a senior, Mm -hmm. but like we run out of people in like two seconds because no one was on it yet. And I started using them and I matched with some people and I met some people through there that also went to Ithaca, Mm -hmm. but just ran in different circles or were a few years older than me that I wouldn't have met otherwise. Uh, So that was like a really good experience. And then when I graduated, I went on a bunch Mm -hmm. of updates. I use Bumble a lot, got Hinge, I don't know, maybe like a few years after that and have had some success, but find it. I like the ease of Bumble yeah. and I've had a lot of success in it, but I think over the years, I think actually really after the pandemic, mm-hmm. it's just really gone downhill. Yeah. And I think Bumble has much more become the place of, it's kind of become more of a Tinder. Mm-hmm. And I think guys are just, there's just so low effort that is put in because we have to answer first. And I've never really had an issue with it before. And I used to have a lot of luck Mm -hmm. on it, but I feel like recently I just haven't. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. And then hinge, I mean, I just appreciate the people on it more, I think are more serious and are looking for something more because you do have to put more effort in, but overall, I mean, at least in the past couple of years, I think through the pandemic, I just, yeah, meeting people in person has been the way. And I think I've just noticed, I think going back to the idea of energy, Mm -hmm. whenever I'm spending too much time on the dating apps, I feel like I can't give as much energy in person and I'm not as open and receptive because I keep thinking like that, like the guy that I talked to in the bar, he's thinking in the back of his head, what's that girl saying on the dating app? Rather than just looking around him, he was clearly checking our group out. But I think it also lowers people's confidence mm-hmm. because it's so much easier to present yourself digitally and just say, hey, yeah. what's up? Then walk to someone at a bar, look someone in the mm-hmm. eye and go, you're really cute. What's up? Like, how's your night mm-hmm. going? And I think in that sense, that's been a big reason why I've pulled away yeah. from the dating apps in recent years. And especially in the past several mm-hmm. months, I've met people back to back to back to yeah. back in person, approaching through friends of friends, whatever it is. And I just started to notice that that's really where I want to be spending my time and energy. And so it also just makes me excited to go try new experiences or go to a different event. 
or, you know, get my friends together and go, Hey, there's this cool party thing happening. We should Mm -hmm. go because it's the potential of meeting people, not so much the, Oh my God, I feel like I'm not getting any matches Mm -hmm. and my life sucks. And I am ugly and I don't deserve love and blah, blah. blah. That spiral is because of the the dating apps. So if you've been feeling that get off the dating apps and go on timeout and find a cool event near you that you are interested in based on your interests Mm -hmm. and other people will be there that also have this interest. And that's where you're going to meet someone that you're going to vibe with. Also, I mean, for, you know, the last two years of spending everything online, I think it'd be really good to start doing things in person and meeting people in person as well. A lot of dating is, I find, putting yourself out there. And this is one of the things that kind of you you put up on the question things that I shared with you. But I'm I'm curious <laughs> because it does kind of really relate to what we've talked about and the last thing we talked about as well. A lot of dating, a lot of like just you know the work you do as well is putting yourself out there. And we've we've all seen the I will I'm not a fan of like just you have to hustle till your lights go out kind of culture. But that that is the myth. There is a myth of the hustle culture that you know whether that is love, whether that is success, lifestyle, everything and anything above and beyond all of that. I think to make it happen, you have to hustle. And I'm wondering in your own experience, what has that been like for you? I think for me, I'm definitely still learning that balance Mm -hmm. in life, that hustle culture is very real and kind of feels very ingrained in me. I think since starting these projects, I feel like I'm always chasing some sort of goal or meeting some sort of deadline or doing the most. And sometimes I think as of recent, Mm -hmm. you know, I had this other job that I realized was really the culprit was really the reason why I felt so burnt out and so anxious all the time was because it wasn't fueling for me. It wasn't, it was exciting at Mm -hmm. first, but then the little things that like communication, communication and jobs is super important. And especially when you are remote you need to communicate with your employees. And my boss was not doing that. She also wasn't paying me on Mm -hmm. time, which is an unnecessary added stressor that I did not need in my life. And it's tough because I'm not at a point yet where I can be my own entrepreneur, be my own boss. So I need that. I need somewhat of a stability Mm -hmm. in my life. And I think, you know, having a full-time job and also trying to do your own projects People always ask, oh, what are your hobbies? And I have a lot of hobbies that I don't have time to do because my hobby is my business, my hobby. Those are my passion projects. And that's what I love to do. And, you know, I have this week off before I go on vacation. And so I'm focusing all my energy on my projects. But something that my dad said this weekend was just, it's your own stuff. If you love to do it, that's amazing. If you don't like it anymore, why are you doing it? And I think that's just, so important in anything in life. And that's a big thing that I followed. I think it's funny. I think when I first started out in my career, my parents were really big sticklers on you need to. And I think this is just a boomer mentality. The boomers were really on our parents' generation. Like it was all about working your way up in the corporate ladder and sticking to jobs for your resume and getting to at least a year in your first job and all that stuff. I have not made it to a year in any job that I've had because I have been disrespected Mm -hmm. and I walk away 
or I'm burnt out and I don't want to be there anymore. There's a bad environment, whatever it is. I just, I mean, this is the rule that I follow for romantic relationships. If someone has emotionally, physically, or mentally abused me, they don't deserve to be in my life anymore and they are blocked forever. And so I feel the same way about jobs. I am not one to just stick around to make my resume look Mm -hmm. good. So for me, it was kind of a no brainer, but I didn't, it's also exhausting to look for a job. It's my mom always said, it's like a full-time job. So I had, I was fortunate that something just fell into my lap and it ties into this, this concept of serendipity that I feel like it's been happening a lot in my life and just this idea of not always going out and making things happen for yourself, but waiting for things to happen for you and to you. And I feel like for so long, I always was, oh, I need to, you know, find all like even guests for my podcast, right? Like I need to go out and reach out for all these guests on my podcast. Otherwise, like there will be no one. And then all of a sudden I started getting reached out to because I started to have this podcast and people liked the guests that I had. And then they would listen because they posted about it. And then they would reach out and be like, oh, I want to be on your podcast or I'd love to talk to you. And this has been happening in my, like, since the beginning of this year, I've been running into people Mm -hmm. that I know in random locations. Mm -hmm. Like it just happened to me this weekend, which we can get into, but I'm just, yeah, I'm leaning more into, okay, just ride out the wave versus letting the wave kind of like just come over me. And like, I'm climbing my way out every day. Like don't fall over me. Don't crash. And also setting those boundaries of my energy is super important. And I need to fill my cup up and like, not, and and like, it's okay to take breaks. Like it's okay to relaxation is productive. And I think that's something that I'm still instilling in my brain because it can be really hard, especially when I'm balancing a full-time job, have the podcast and I'm trying to do Mm -hmm. events. That's a lot of shit and date and also have a social life and see my parents once a week. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. So, you know, for me, it's like my weekends have really become time to do my own Mm -hmm. stuff. And I like meet my friends out at night and just have my days to, you know, create my content, edit my podcasts, do follow-up emails, Mm -hmm. maybe at night on the, on weekdays, like things like that, that I need to set aside time to have all, all these projects done. But I also, if I need to sleep in, I need to listen to my body and that that's really important too. So I don't think I fully mastered it yet. And definitely like a recent events got to a place of complete and utter burnout mm-hmm. and I'm there, like I'm in it now. And I feel like I need these three weeks to really rest back up and kind of reconnect to myself. So definitely not great to get to that point, mm-hmm. but it definitely teaches me a lot about what I want to do differently moving forward. You mentioned something about running into somebody over the weekend. What is that about? Yeah. So. I was coming and this has happened to me. Like I'm telling you in one weekend, a month ago, I ran into four people. Like two guys I met on the same night. I saw the same weekend again, like just random things that have happened. But this guy, he was really my last. It was interesting because I was thinking about Mm it. He was my last more serious fling, I would say about eight or so months ago. So I ended like beginning of September. He had met my parents and like, it was a whole thing. He ended up falling off the face of the earth and ghosting me for five days. Super fun. To which I was like, what the fuck? You know that I have a podcast about this. And 
that communication is really important to me. And like, there were issues for sure, but I was kind of waiting for the right moment to talk about something that was on my mm-hmm. mind to him. And then he did this yeah. and it was like, oh, well, I don't even, you don't even deserve my time anymore. Yeah. He did have the courtesy, like he called me and then he came over to my apartment and we did talk about it kind of put the ball a little bit in his court, mm-hmm. but then called him back hours later and said, you know what? I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't know if they want to be in a relationship with me. I don't deserve yeah. that. And this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. So I ended things. He was really distraught and knew that he fucked up and he kind of made it out. Like I'll reach out to you at some point in the future, but I can't right mm-hmm. now. I need some time and space. And you know, I'm such a big fan and blah, blah, blah. But it was also, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, would I really want to try again with this person? I kind of feel like I already knew everything I needed to know. And he did ghost me, which is the number one most disrespectful thing, obviously. And so I was coming out of a bar, super packed, and we'd actually met. So I met some friends in the West village and in Manhattan. And we walked all the way East because everything was so packed. It was a really gorgeous weekend. Mm -hmm. Everyone was out, couldn't get in anywhere. We literally went on probably a 20, 30 minute walk to this random bar. And we were in there, I don't know, for maybe an hour or so. We kind of, we were all like, should we go? I don't know. Yeah, let's just go. Like it wasn't, oh, we're leaving at this time or anything walk out. And I think he saw me first Mm -hmm. because he was already looking at me when I turned, Mm -hmm. but it was just a moment of pure shock to see this person that, I don't know. I just never heard from him. So didn't assume I ever would. And we, I walked over, you know, gave him a hug, said, hi, how are you? He said, Hey, like, how are you? I said, how are you again? I was like, Oh, great. I said that Mm -hmm. I'm going to go have a good night walked away super awkward yeah. and my phone was also on do not disturb and so we go you know my friends wanted pizza so we went across the street my friend that I was with had met yeah. him so knew the whole story and we were like talking about it in the pizza place and then he texted me and he texted you know nine million people I run into you like I was like absolutely insane and he said I couldn't tell like he didn't seem drunk, mm-hmm. but I guess he was. Mm-hmm. And so he continued to text me okay. and just continued to say, you know, he was like, is it crazy or something? Mm-hmm. Like he didn't finish his sentence. And I just said, what? Like, what were you going to say? And he's like, I shouldn't like super dramatic. Okay. And I just didn't answer. And then he texted me like, I don't know, I guess he did something in the text chain and he was like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And Oh, like it was so crowded in there though. And then like an hour later, oh, I'll text you when we're both sober. Hour later, two FaceTimes at like 3.30 in the morning. At this point, like I'd stopped texting him way, way, way many hours before that. And I don't know, I was, it kind of like threw me for a loop because I was, I always try to find meaning in Mm -hmm. things. And I, you know, one side of me is, oh, is this fate? Is this the universe bringing us together or is it a test is it the universe saying you could mm-hmm. here you go you've been kind of lonely and looking for something familiar mm-hmm. you know easy done but i call i was talking to my friend on the way home and i just said i'm going to sleep on it mm-hmm. i can't make this decision right now and i 
didn't come out with the intention to meet up with any guy or whatever. I'm not in a good headspace. Mm-hmm. I know that. And so I woke up and then I woke up to these tech more texts and these FaceTimes. And I was kind of like, all right, he was just drunk mm-hmm. and he saw me. And, you know, for me, I kind of felt like, oh, do I owe him a response? Because I don't want to make it seem like I'm ghosting him now. That's not my yeah. thing. But it didn't really feel like that. It felt like I've often been the one, and I've talked about this on my podcast, where I go back to guys a second time mm-hmm. to kind of, oh, I need the lesson again to like really learn it. And in this instance, I kind of felt like, you know what? I don't need to go back. I really am good. And I journaled about it and I got it off my chest and I said, I don't really owe anything. Mm-hmm. I think this is just one of those, like, he probably feels like an idiot moments mm-hmm. and he looks super desperate. And what what am I going to say? Hey, Mr. Calls, I'm not interested. Yeah. I just, it's kind of one of those misconnections, but I do think it was the universe teaching me that lesson. And like once and for all, I actually learned it. I also want to bring back something you said very early on in the call, which is learning to put boundaries. And just there, based on what you said, you really did, you know, but even, even with the, I'll reply to this once I've rested. And then to like, this doesn't add to me. It doesn't belong with me. There's nothing more that I need from this. That's incredible. I'm mindful of the time. So I want to ask you two last questions before, before we finish up. So the first one is, you know, I, I have a time machine. This is the classic. If you're going to go back to your old self question, if you could go back to your 10 year old self right now, immediately, like I press enter and you're back in time and you have an hour with 10 year old Liana, what do you talk about? What do you say? Hmm. I feel like I would just instill the march to the beat of your own drum, follow your passions, you know, always spend time with your family and friends. I mean, these are things that I always did, but I think I would just remind myself of that. It's funny that you asked that question though, because I was watching that movie, The Adam Project last night. What a movie. (laughs) And it was so cute and it's kind of the same concept. So yeah, I feel like it's almost like telling your younger self, okay, you're going to go through some shit. Stuff is going to happen. And some of it you'll deal with well, and some of it you won't. Yeah. But don't forget to ever stop loving yourself and put yourself first. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Here's the last one. What is your hope for yourself 10 years in the future? It's funny. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time in the future. I don't know. It's hard. It's always been kind of, I feel like when I was a kid, I was used to fantasize about things, but recently I've really not been doing that. But I also feel like in a good way, because I don't, again, like what I've been really leaning into with this universe is just letting things happen and not envisioning the possibility and then being disappointed. But I definitely do want to be my own boss. I think that's something that I definitely aspire to be in 10 years, whatever capacity that is. I have no idea. I'd love to have a book or two published. I would like to think I'd be in a long-term relationship if not married. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, just really prioritizing my happiness every day. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I would want for myself 10 years from now. Well, I'm going to send this episode to you 10 years in the future, but 
I hope I hope all and more comes true for you, and you're still you know marching to the beat of your own drum. But uh, to presently on it, thank you. You know, thank you for coming in. Uh, where can where can people find you if they want to see what you're putting out? Totally, yeah. So I'm pretty present. Be back on the gram this week. Mm-hmm. So at Liana Colada, like Pina Colada. I post a lot of stuff there. And then I have a website now with my own stuff. So Liana Pavane, P-A-V-A-N-E.com. And then TTYLNYC is my, it links out to that website and then Ghost of Dates Past, you can find on all streaming platforms. Okay, I'll I'll leave the links for all of those down below. But uh, again, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Thank you for listening to this episode. We have another episode out next week on the Wednesday. And if you like what we do and the work that we're putting out, do consider joining our Patreon. Till then, this has been Love and Citizenship, and I will catch you in the next one.